Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Hi, kids. Do you like violence? Are you sick to death of pussyfooting around the truth while being constantly fed lies by news and big tech tyrants? If so, then come join me, Dan Smots, on The System Is Down, where we get weird, have fun, and dig into all the dangerous taboo topics like conspiracies, politics, religion, culture, current events, and everything your family just prays you don't bring up around the Thanksgiving dinner table. And I know that reality is scary to some people, so if you're easily offended, just ignore this and go back to making cat memes or whatever. But if you're ready to change the world for the better, come join me on The System Is down at tsidpod.com or wherever you get podcasts. That's tsidpod.com because the system is down and truth is taking over. Ladies and gentlemen, you are now entering the Second Big Comics Podcast, starring Mark Claire and Renzo Martinez. This is Sparta! Those were the words uttered by one Gerard Butler in the film called 300, which is based on a graphic novel that we're going to be looking at today, which is based on a film that was based on a true historical event. We'll get into all of that in a few minutes, but before that, I could not do this alone, my friends. I have, as always, my Rick Jones, my rambling, rambunctious partner in comic book crime, Remzo Martinez. Remzo, how's it going? This is my profession, and it's great to be back. I want to go ahead and just say uh, this is one of those situations where many people look around and they think, oh, every book is better than the movie that ends up being made. But this might be uh, th- this might be a little contentious for some people, because as I previewed it um, in a post over the Second Pro Comics fan zone on Facebook the other day. Some some people gave some some mixed reactions towards it. So I'm, I'm glad to I'm glad to be covering 300 because this is uh, this is either a story, a film, a comic that people either absolutely love or they absolutely hate it. And there is no middle ground. Yes, there is no middle ground, or or is there? We shall see in this review. But uh, yeah, it's funny to me that here we are. We're 31 issues into this podcast, and this is actually the first time we're looking at a Frank Miller book, and uh, I'm surprised this is the one we're looking at first. It's just kind of... Kind of how it happened. I just got, I just on a whim, uh, something reminded me of the movie 300 and I said, hey, we haven't done 300. Hey, we haven't done Frank Miller. Hey, let's do 300. So here we are. Uh, But before we get into this book specifically, uh, why don't we just talk a little bit about Frank Miller? Uh, To me, he's one of the very few uh, people in, in the comic book industry who has excelled as both a writer and an artist, often with those two uh, combined. Uh, there are not many I can say that of. So he's a, he's a true talent, a true top talent in the comic book industry. Uh, what is your personal history with, with Frank Miller? How do you view him as a comic book fan? 
Uh, I got introduced to Frank Miller through his Daredevil run when he introduced Elektra, um, you know, reading this about 20 years after it came out in print, um, you know, Elektra completely took my heart and that Daredevil run is really what, you know, I feel is the main canon of, uh, what makes Daredevil such a great captivating character, um, picked up some of his other stuff, uh, you know, Dark Knight Returns and, uh, Ronin. He's he's one of those people where it's like, you know, I might not always love everything he does, but I truly respect him as an artist. And in many ways, I always see him as kind of like the flip side to Alan Moore. He's a bit eccentric. He's a bit misunderstood. I always saw him as Freddy Krueger because he's kind of <laughs> skinny and he wears a like a cowboy fedora type of thing. And uh, Alan Moore is definitely Jason, the, the silent butcher you in the <laughs> woods type. So, you know, he's he's one of those people that. You, you tried to drown not. me in a lake, and now I'm going to bloody kill you. I'm going to murder a bunch of teens having sex in the cabin. Yeah, I mean, it's it's one of those people where it's like, you know, I, I like Alan Moore's stuff. Uh, when we did his Swamp Thing uh, saga, like 10 episodes back, uh, that's one of the highest rated episodes, one of the most downloaded episodes, too. I think that's awesome. I don't love all of Alan Moore's stuff. Uh, you know, I like The Watchmen, but, like, you know, when it comes to League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, like, holy shit, I would never buy that for anybody because it's just it's like it's like buying pornography. You do not gift people pornography like that. It's just <laughs> like it's like I don't want to sound like a prude or anything like some people should not see this. I mean, art is art. But like, Jesus Christ, it is. Uh, they're, they're men of a, of a very unique flavor. Let's put it that way. Well, this is going to be interesting uh, because I. I these are all like, like I remember buying and reading League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, and I remember liking it. But keep this in mind: this is twenty-five plus years ago. So just like the book, we're gonna, you know, we're gonna go through today. I'm very curious to see how some of this stuff uh, holds up to me because I think there was a time in my comic book fanhood where I was perhaps so in awe of certain artists or certain writers that perhaps I just viewed everything through a, a you know a certain lens or the the lens of a less refined fan. Uh, some of which may hold up, some of which may not. So I mean, it's, it's one of the many reasons that I wanted to do this show uh, because I get to take another look at a lot of this stuff uh, that I, much of which I haven't opened the the pages of in 20, 25 years. Not to constantly age myself here, but uh, I've been reading comics for a long time, my friends. ARP, we're waiting to shill for you. Just uh, send one of these us that moolah. It's gonna, they're going to be our top sponsor. Uh, but that being said, but before we get started, yeah. got some house notes. Oh, sure, yes. Uh, that, that's February was a, February was a, because everyone needs a, a token administrator's type. Um, <laughs> February was a great month. Thank you to all of our new patrons. You know, we do this content for you. We come out every week because we love the community that we've been able to establish with the SPC Nation. I do also want to go ahead and just read off one of our recent reviews on Apple Podcasts, iTunes, if you're old like me, as somebody mentioned the other day. Uh, this is... Uh, f- from February 21st, Brodifius 18, Brodifius 18. I do not think that's his biblical name, but he gave us five stars on Apple Podcasts. Both members of this podcast are true comic fans, comic historians, and a little twisted and demented all at the same time. Every episode is super thorough, super funny, loaded with details and fun facts along the way. Favorite episodes have been uh, Flashpoint review and the all mutant draft. He's talking about our X Men draft we did with good friends Jenny and Matt way back when. We will go ahead and include to those episodes in the show notes because we love you. But please keep those reviews coming. It helps us get in those trending charts. Let's people know the fun we're having and keeps the nation growing. 
Tremendous, tremendous review. Uh, the uh, They never go unnoticed. They never go overlooked. We always appreciate uh, the kind words from our fans out there. Uh, so that being said, any more housekeeping? Should we tell them how they can pay us money? If they oh, want? second, second print. That. My, my as well. Second, uh, Patreon.com slash second print pod. That's Patreon.com slash second print pod. Every Sunday, we've got Rimso Rants where I dive into a topic that you guys want me to go ahead and scream about. Every Wednesday for the next couple of weeks, we've got a new series out called Remso versus the MCU Phase One, where I look at the first phase of Marvel Cinematic Universe films, such as Iron Man, Thor, The Avengers, Captain America, and I go ahead and tweak them to make them a little bit better. So whether you have your own thoughts on how you could have improved what are really you know universally loved movies or whether you want to say i'm full of shit tune in we've got claire's continues we've got mark mark you're starting a new segment now it's uh the it's the it's the random comic with mark hour or something something like that (laughs) hopefully hopefully not a full hour because the idea is that uh this is something i can do when i just can carve out a little bit of time so when he's on the shitter yes basically so what i'm going to be doing shit talk uh, with mark occasionally for those of you out there who have the Marvel Unlimited app, I discovered an amazing feature. They have this little button in the upper left-hand corner. It's like it's like two little question marks. You press that button, and they give you a random Marvel comic from uh, over the it's 50 or 60-year history to read. Uh, so that's what I'm going to be doing. I'm going to randomly at times, whenever I feel like it, press that button, read a comic, and do a little review of it for our patrons exclusively. Uh, I have already done one of these, so our patrons should be uh, hearing it right now, or if you sign up right now you can go hear it the first episode i looked at giant size master of kung fu number three from 1976 (laughs) yes and this is actually my first exposure to to shang chi i've never read a a shang chi comic before and um well i'm just gonna save my thoughts for the show that's why you got that's that's why you gotta cough it up my friends but yeah and that's that's why i like this segment because it's again just like this podcast it's not just for you guys it's also for me it's also to give myself a reason uh to read more things and expose myself to more things and i I just love this idea of randomly reading a random issue and exposing myself to certain characters or storylines that i just haven't uh happened to be exposed to before so looking forward to doing that looking forward to releasing that to all of our wonderful wonderful oh and to just add the cherry on top, Mark, I recently hit up one of my local comic book shops in the area and grabbed from the shelf a shrink-wrapped, hardcover, Marvel Select graphic novel of one of the most important Spider-Man stories to ever come out. Spider-Man, Craven's Last Hunt, and I am mailing that in the morning to one of our Journey into Mystery patrons. At the $25 level or higher, Mark and I will go ahead and hand-select a hardcover graphic novel and mail it to you every three months. Months. Past graphic novels include uh, Green Lantern, Earth One, Volume One, Killer Be Killed, Volume One, uh, the DC German and Der- English. German and English, <laughs> um, uh, the DC re. Sin City. Sin City. Sin City, Dame to Kill Uh, The DC Rebirth Deluxe, uh, Daredevil Season 1. I mean, the list goes on. If any of those catch your fancy, and you can already tell that Mark and I have some pretty good taste in the stuff we're sending you, please. I like to think so. So much and more. Patreon.com slash Second Print Pod. That's all I got. All righty. Well, that being said, it's time to dive into Frank Miller's 300, released in 1998, published by... 
Dark Horse Comics, also the home of Hellboy. I believe that's the only other Dark Horse comic that we have looked at so far. Uh, and this, so when Frank Miller grew up, just a little backstory here. He was a big fan of the movie, uh, I believe it's called 300 Spartans or something of that. Yeah, the, the 300 Spartans. This is a 1962 movie. Uh, that film was the depiction of the Battle of Thermopylae, I believe is how you say it, where the gigantic Persian army uh, went to invade Greece and they were uh, held back by 300 brave Spartans who, while they did die... They did inflict massive, massive damage and, uh, you know, help their fellow Greeks to uh, fend off the Persian army uh, in some way, shape or form. Uh, so uh, Frank Miller was very obsessed with this this movie uh, and wanted to adapt it into a graphic novel, which he did in this book, 300, uh, which was, of course, later adapted into a movie uh, by our friend Zack Snyder, which we'll, we'll talk about that movie a bit as well. Uh, but uh, yeah, this is a, a, a historical event adapted into a movie, adapted into a graphic novel, and then readapted into a movie. But we're going to be looking at the graphic novel edition. Again, this is Frank Miller's 300, and it is truly Frank Miller's 300. He is the writer of this book. He is the uh, artist of this book, along with uh, Lynn Varney doing the colors. But this is basically all Frank Miller all the time, as is often the case with uh, a lot of his seminal works. Uh, so we start off, we start off, we don't even, we are not even identified historically yet at this point. We just start off with a big splash page of a bunch of people marching along, and it says, we march. Uh, I'm just going to read the beginning here. From dear Laconia, from sacred Sparta, we march. For honor's sake, for glory's sake, we march. For, and this is when we learn we are actually here in 480 BC, and we see the Spartans marching upon a hill. And uh, one of the Spartans here, he stumbles down. They're all wearing these like these red capes and this like this pretty badass looking armor. Uh, but one of the Spartans, he he falls down, he gets dizzy, and now he's being beaten and punished by his captain. My God, these guys, these Spartans do not fuck around. You tumble, and they your own captain will beat the shit out of you. Right? Spartans are tough as nails, is what we, what we learn right away. Uh, they referred to him as as Stumblios. Uh, but Stumblios here, he's not taking shit from his captain. He actually fights back and ends up knocking his captain unconscious. So uh, I'm a big fan of Stumblios here. Uh, he, he really, uh, you know, he, he, he's, he's not, he, even though he stumbles, even though he falls, he's not going to take shit from anybody, including, including his own captain. And uh, this does catch the attention of the true leader of the Spartans here, which is, uh, we will soon learn, is King Leonidas. Um, and, oh, and by the way, Stumblios, for the for the punishment for beating his captain nearly unconscious, or not nearly unconscious, unconscious, he has to carry him, and he does not get food until the journey is over. So, again, uh, Spartans are touched, man. Talk to, Spartans are tough. And talking about going to bed without dinner, how about finishing an entire journey without any food while carrying your captain on your shoulders? I, I, I could not imagine what it would have to be like to be a soldier in the Spartan army. Um, you know, for, for those of you that don't know, I, I was in the National Guard for six years, seven years or so. And, uh, you know, we would, you know, we, we would make fun of movies like this because really when you're going through basic, when you're going through any intense military training, it's hard, but it's never Spartan hard. So, you know, by the time that I had gone through all of that, this movie is out, we, we would use parts and quotes from this movie to kind of bring some levity to the situation. I look back at that and I'm like, man, my worst moments were, were nothing compared to what those guys would ever have to deal with. 
You weren't the stumbliest of your of your unit. No, you want to know the worst thing that ever happened to me? My my unit at yes. Basic uh, won the the best platoon award. So we actually got a few boxes of pizza, and we got to take a few hours off from training. This is towards the end, but uh, somebody uh, threw some litter on on the on the floor, and uh, because nobody went out of their way to pick it up, one of our uh, drill sergeants saw it, and he was like, what, no one's going to pick up this trash? Everybody outside. So uh, him and another random second lieutenant uh, assigned to my um, platoon did was they made us run around the fields back and forth. And at this point, like, you know, three this is after eating, after all, the eating all the pizza. And I mean, oh, the food was not what I would call anything you want to eat during those uh, d- during those weeks there. So we are just puking all over ourselves the entire time. And it was probably for like 15 minutes of sprinting back and forth. But when you put yourself in this mindset of I can finally relax, when you finally eat and all this greasy, carby shit that you have not touched in weeks. Um, I mean, just I, I could. Oh, God, like I can smell the vomit. Not not a fond memory. But that's as- how long did it take you to. How long did it take you to eat pizza again after that? I didn't want to eat it for a long time. Let's put it that way. <laughs> I've, I've avoided, I avoided pizza for a while. Actually, at, at graduation, when my parents were taking me out to dinner. There was an Italian place, and they're like, you know, we haven't had pizza in a couple of weeks. Maybe we should go get it. And I was like, no, no, I want Chinese food. We're getting Chinese. <laughs> well, that sounds rough, but not nearly as rough as what uh, any old Spartan hundred percent on a, on a day-to-day basis here. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I, I, I did a little research, you know, when I was, uh, you know, researching this book i ended up on a little bit of a youtube rabbit hole and somehow i ended up on a video that was just about what it was like to be a spartan and man it was it was not fun when you're a spartan and you're a baby the first thing they do they take a baby they take it to this council of elders and they examine the baby and uh if they don't if they see any flaws or they think that there's they see something that indicates the baby might get sick or or be deformed in some way or just not grow up to be strong or a strong soldier they take the baby and just leave it out in the wild and of course they usually die Occasionally, the babies were rescued by foreigners or some kind of, you know, someone from the slave class uh, that saved them. But uh, yeah, basically, from the moment you're born, you are there's a chance that uh, not a, not a, that low of a chance necessarily either that uh, just a bunch of dudes are going to take one look at you and be like, nah, this guy's not going to cut Sp- it. Sparta out there, so. brought to you by Planned Parenthood. <laughs> yeah, that was a uh, before you could just pop pop in for one of those. Uh, yeah, it was it was done a little bit differently in Sparta, my friends. Uh, we then uh, we now proceed over to uh, a campfire. They're telling a story about a boy, this very scrawny boy who was approached by a wolf, uh, attacked by a wolf. But this young boy, he murdered that wolf. He killed that wolf. And this boy grew up to be King Leonidas, the king of the Spartans. Let's go back and see how this all started. How did they get on this journey in the first place? So we go back to Sparta, and uh, I, I love this scene in the in the film. This is when the the messenger from from the Persian messenger s- shows up, and uh, he shows up at at, um, at Sparta, and he demands to see the king. And uh, he basically says, he basically like soft, soft threatens the, the king, uh, the king Leonidas basically says like, you know, the Persian empire, we're expanding. We got a huge army. We're looking for earth and water. And that's why I'm here. I'm here to basically make an offer to you guys. Uh, you know, you could accept us as your king. You can offer us water and, and part of your earth and uh, you know, everything's going to be cool. Uh, but King Leonidas, mm, he's a Spartan. He's not going to put up with this. So uh, he says, hey, you know, you're going to find plenty of earth and water. 
down there, and he's standing right next to this giant. I don't know what the purpose of this giant, giant hole in the ground is, uh, but it serves a, a purpose for uh, visually for this comic, comic book and for the film. Uh, and this is when, in the film anyway, when we get that the, the big line from Gerard Butler where he says, "This is Sparta," and he kicks the guy into the or pushes the guy into the hole, and then and that is uh, that is what ends our first issue. So, what do you think? Just starting off uh, with this book, one thing that struck me right away is how fast these issues go by and that's because they're pretty short these are actually like you know including like i'm on page 21 or basically no i'm, I'm on page 19 when this ends and so that includes like the cover page of the book so i think it's only like an 18 page first issue uh which kind of surprised me i was like oh it's so it's it's over already it hasn't even been 20 pages so this is i guess this is just a shorter book that probably didn't need to be five issues probably could have been three or four regular size issues I call Frank Miller kind of the anti-Alan Moore sometimes, because even though there's a lot of similarities between many of the works that they've done, uh, Alan Moore, who is just a writer, he f like his stuff is novel length, like the dialogue, yeah. the exposition, the mind balloons, everything like his stuff is very, very arduous to get through. Whereas you better be in the mood for a reading if you're going to read now. Yeah. Whereas if we're Read Whereas words. a Frank Miller, I, I think, you know, being a writer and being an artist, especially since it was just him, you know, doing the scripting, the layouts, the illustrations for everything. He really taps into the fact that, uh, uh, you know, that this is a visual medium show. Don't tell. That's why I always think that Alan Moore escapes a lot of people, because even though Alan Moore has written some amazing comic books, uh, he is first a, a fiction writer, a novelist, and then a comic mm -hmm. book writer. And I think he's actually said that before and he's never wanted to adapt to it. That's why a lot of the artists that he's worked with have never worked with him on more than maybe a couple projects. It's gotta be exhausting. Yeah. <laughs> With, for with just, this, just reading the script has got to be like, okay, come on. Can, I, can you just tell me what to draw, man? <laughs> yeah. With, with this, draw me a bloody swamp creature and draw me uh, some fruit from growing out of his out of his arms. I don't know. Just draw the damn swamp creature. Make somebody eat part of his body. <laughs> yeah. I mean, with, with, with Miller, it's just slam, bam, thank you, ma'am. Here it is. I will say that as much as I love the violence, I love the gore. I love how you don't have to guess what anything is. His illustration style is one of the things I'm going to criticize. Mm -hmm. Um, it's not my favorite. I, I, that's all I'm going to say. I'm not an artist, but I can definitely say that if I was ranking him and everyone else, he's not in my top 10. Yeah. Frank Miller has a very distinct art style and oftentimes it's, I mean, it's it's hard to describe. It's it's not. I, I would not call it crisp or clean art. The 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 word some people use is postmodern, which is okay. you can get the idea of what you're looking at, but it's supposed to be distorted and contorted in order to match the visual tone that the story is trying to portray. And and that is often the case. I'll say, and this is a, a book we're going to eventually do here. I have it on, on our schedule. But, uh, for example, in The Dark Knight Returns, I mean, I think his art there matches the, the tone and feel of that book so perfectly that... I, while I might criticize it in any other, you know, context for that book, I think it's perfect. Uh, but, it, you know, Frank Miller has a de definitive style. He's definitely one of those artists where I can look at one page and I know it's Frank Miller. I mean, there's just there's no mistaking his artistic style. It's very distinct, very unique. Uh, I will hey, say hey, that. Yeah, I mean, his signature is his work. Like, there's no guessing. 
So uh, we move on to issue two here, and uh, the three hundred and King Leonidas. They are they are on the march. Um, King Leonidas is just off on a rock, staring at the big full moon, and has uh, harkens back to two weeks ago. So we get to see a little more of the backstory of how we got here. And uh, even though Leonidas is the king, the king here in Sparta is not all powerful, and he's not a dictator. He has to answer to um, some folks called the ephors or the ephors. They are the priests to the old gods. And uh, he goes to them and he says, all right, fuck these Persians. These Persians are going to come with their giant army and try to take us over. But we're not having that shit. Why? Because we are fucking Spartans and we are going to kick their asses. So here's the plan. He goes over the whole plan. He's going to block the, the Persians uh, up. He's going to go up the coast where the Persians are going to have to sail into. And uh, he's going to block them with a stone wall uh, and funnel them into what's called the hot gates, this very narrow cavern where uh, they will then proceed to d- destroy them, basically strategically. And uh, the priests, though, they're not feeling this plan here right now because uh they're they're saying look there's we have this carnea festival coming up we got a big party going on here leonidas we can't fuck this whole thing up by by having a whole battle now it's not the time and he's like well if if now is not the time there's not going to be a carnea festival next year did you not get the google calendar invite (laughs) it's right there You, you replied yes leonidas you're going to attend. It's the king. It's the pancake breakfast. You're going to be attending. <laughs> um, but yeah, they say, all right, look, look, Leonidas, we got to count. We got to consult the Oracle here. All right. Um, we then kind of learned through another scene that the priests were actually paid off in gold by the Persians. So this this priest class in in Greece, I mean, the Persians are going going all the way here. They have amassed this giant army, but they're using all the tactics. They're actually trying to buy off the priests, uh, who are, I guess, very human, even though they uh, they have uh, all the temptations of man, even though they're supposed to be answering to the gods. So the priests, actually, we learn, are are trying to take Leonidas off course of his plan to defend Sparta and defend Greece because they have been bought off by the Persians themselves. Uh, and ultimately, the oracle and the priest, they say, no, March, we're not doing this. Uh, the plan's off. You can't do this. Uh, so King Leonidas, being the, the leader that he is, uh, he decides, okay, that, that's cool. That's fine. We're not going to, you know, I'm not going to, not going to go against your ruling here. I'm not going to go to war or anything like that. Uh, I'm just going to go for a little walk. I'm just going to go for a little walk. And, and his wife says, oh, well, maybe you'll go for a walk. Oh, I, I want you to be safe, honey. Maybe you should, should bring your, you know, your 300 closest bodyguards, closest friends with you uh, for this walk. And <laughs> so basically King Leonidas is just telling some of his close confidants, like uh, without, he's saying it without saying it, but the, everyone knows what he's saying. He's like, fuck these priests. <laughs> fuck the Oracle. I am motherfucking Leonidas. I killed a wolf when I was 10 and I am not letting these Persians take us over. I'm going to go kick their asses. So, uh, and his wife, his only one, her only one request is to come back with his shield or to come back on it. So even his wife knows that, uh, this is quite possibly a, a death mission. And, um, but she's a Spartan too. And she, she su- is supportive of this. And she says, you know what? Go fight for Sparta, motherfucker. You're King Leonidas. Go do this thing. As Rihanna would say, that's a boss ass bitch. <laughs> yeah. Um, King Leonidas then he meets up with uh, these folks called the uh, the Arcadians. They show up. Uh, they're like, "Hey, what, what's going on, Leonidas? We uh, you, you you only bought like three hundred people. We have we have a ton of people. We have like thousands of people here." And he's like, "All right, so what what does this guy do?" He's like, oh, "This guy's like a blacksmith." Okay, what about that guy? Uh, he's a farmer. He's like, hey, uh, "Hey guys, what do you guys do for a living?" And they're just like, they just raise their spears and they're like, "Yeah, yeah, I have three hundred soldiers. I have way more soldiers. You got, you didn't bring any soldiers. You just brought a bunch of dudes." 
I brought soldiers. So uh, Spartans are soldiers is what we learned from this. They are professional soldiers. It is what they do. And uh, if you want to get some history lesson, go on go on uh, Google, go on YouTube, and uh, just look up the Spartans and read about them because uh, this is real shit, man. They did not fuck around. You do not want to fuck with Spartans. Uh, and that is, again, before you know it, issue two is even over. So they, the Spartans are off. They are going to march. They are marching towards the hot gates again. This is a, this is a quickie. These are all quickies. Yeah, he's like the Andrew Jackson of Greece. Instead of being all, you know, pussyfoot and heart and hearts and minds, he's all guts and balls like a leader should be. I'm digging yeah. this. I, I don't remember. I mean, I do own these original issues back in the, the Connecticut vault. And uh, I, I'm wondering what the issues were like. Did they pad them out with ads? I got to think because because literally we're on page 34 of this of this trade paperback. And I'm on chapter three now. This is 34 pages of two issues, including covers. So these are really, really short. And I, I'm just trying to remember, like, I, I don't remember them being particularly smaller books. I have to think they just loaded these things up with ads. Oh, yeah. I mean, you see this with uh, with Image, with IDW, with Dark Horse and with Valiant uh, for some Valiant titles. The, these companies will go ahead and fill it with house ads because they can't get enough people to actually buy a full or a quarter page ad spread. So what they do is they they just fill it with stuff. I mean, I grabbed an issue of Exo Manowar recently and it was all house ads. And it's like, you know, maybe less than a dozen pages of actual artwork and story. And the artwork that's in there is all just full page stuff. So it's not like you're really getting much out of the pages with, uh, with that. That's the one peril I will say you have with independent and, and more smaller publishers. You're, you're hoping that you get a big enough artist like a Frank Miller or a Rob Liefeld or somebody like that. And they're going to go ahead and carry basically your company for the full year. So that way you're smaller titles can succeed because at this mm-hmm. point uh what i what dark horse had they had hellboy which never necessarily sold that great kept the company afloat never sold amazing though yeah critic critically praised but i, I don't think it was a, a huge blockbuster at, at the bank uh they had they had the star wars license at this time they had gotten the star wars license yeah they, they did a lot of license stuff at the time like they i think their biggest properties they had like Alien, uh, Predator, uh, and stuff like that. The Mask that was probably one of their bigger ones too. Oh, that that yeah. was really Dark Horse's wheelhouse. Yeah. So I mean, you're you're hoping you can get somebody like this to to really be like your flagship project of the year to carry everything else. So am I surprised? Yeah. But I mean, it's just one of these moments where it's like, yeah, if it's short, it's totally short. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I kind of gloss over how, how this second issue ends. I just want to read this last panel here because they they come upon, they see the Persian ships and they're they're thrashing about. They see like these Persians literally just like flying off the ships. Like some of the ships are just crashing into the rocks. So so they're they're already dying. And like a lot of these Spartans, they start cheering. They, there's jubilation. They're 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 thrilled. They're like fuck yeah, these, these Persians are dying. We're gonna kick ass. Uh, but we see the the narr- we read the narration I should say of King Leonidas and he says only one one among us keeps his Spartan reserve. Only me, only the king. His thoughts are bittersweet. The fools, the dear young fools, they actually think we have a chance. So King Leonidas, he's he he sees what's going on. He sees all these Spartans dying. I mean, Persians dying. He sees the ships crashing, uh, but he knows there's many, many more ships, and he knows that this is nothing to celebrate. He knows he knows that they are going to die, and he has he he has seemingly already accepted that. Whereas uh, it seems many of his his fellow Spartans haven't quite that hasn't quite settled in for them. 
Yeah, so history lesson. Uh, Thermopylae Pass was basically the small gap between these two large mountains that basically would allow the Persian fleet to not only go through Sparta, but then basically have a free run of Greece at the time. This is before the Battle of Marathon and everything else. So essentially what they need to do is uh, Sparta... Um, as as this one you know one Greek polis that's that's their city state uh, they're in alliance with Athens at the time so what they need to do is they need to basically hold off the Persians from getting. T- Past them to go run run through Sparta, run through Athens, and all the other Greek city states. What they need to do is they just need to hold them up, hold them off long enough, so that way the Athenian navy, which is the strongest navy in the world at this point, um, can come through and take them out and basically create a giant seawall, which is going to keep the Persians away because the the Persians have larger ground forces and everything else. But as long as the Athenian Navy can hold them off, they'll never be able to get through the rest of the Mediterranean Greek city States. Right. And the Persians were hoping to just come in with their giant army, just sweep right through Greece and, uh, you know, just, just take the whole thing down, uh, which they probably would have been able to do if not for these Spartans there holding them off, uh, basically trapping them between uh, the, the hot gates and the sea itself uh, in time for the Athenian Navy to eventually show up and encircle them and and, and finish the job. Uh, but in order to do that, we needed these Spartans in the first place. So moving on to issue number three, uh, we now see this really, really freaking looking Spartan dude. Uh, he is like, he is absolutely a freak. His body is completely deformed. It's Gary um, Busey. It's, <laughs> it looks like Sloth and Gary Busey had a baby, basically. Uh, and the, this guy will later find out his name is, I, I believe it's pronounced Effialtes or Effiates. Uh, I like didn't that. even try. I call him Effie just to make things e- easier. I dig it. Yeah. So Effie is, uh, is wandering along here. And uh, yeah, he is just a, he's just a freak. We don't really know much about him, but he, he's kind of following this this uh, this Spartan army, and he's he, he's saying like we Spartans, you know, he is he is a Spartan, I guess, of some of some kind. He's wearing like a really crappy version of their outfit. We then kind of see some of the Spartan training, like these dudes are just getting walked on and stepped on. Uh, I don't know if this is training or, or punishment for the younger guys or what, but these these soldiers are basically just these like the soldiers that have like the um, the capes and the helmets are standing on top of these these other like younger Spartan dudes and just just basically torture them by by stomping on them and stopping on them like one it's like good, it's good old fun it builds yeah. character some good old like fraternity college level hazing basically just stomping on them on the on the as they're on the way to their to their to their death um so yeah, we also get to see how uh, a glimpse into how Spartans are like brutally trained as soldiers from birth, uh, as, as I referenced. Um, let's see. They also send the Persians then send along an ambassador uh, to meet with King Leonidas. Uh, and uh, but what happens? They have killed all of the Persian scouts along the way and basically just stuck them with spears and lined up the walkway. So this ambassador uh, has to see all these dead dead scouts along the way. Um, <clears throat> uh, and and the of the day while uh, meanwhile there's a they're kind of going back and forth they're seeing this effie altes or effie as i call him kind of like like the wish.com spartan <laughs> yeah he's basically yeah he's, he's the mega wish spartan and uh he, he's just chasing the spartan <laughs> he wants to be a spartan it's it's all he's ever wanted it's his one wish he couldn't meet john cena so he's gonna try to be a spartan instead the sad thing is we can see him and he yes. nasty 
Yeah, he's 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 really nasty. I, I will say, uh, Frank Miller definitely gets across how disgusting, <laughs> disgusting of a of an individual this this guy is. Um, but yeah, uh, basically they they cut off the ambassador's arms and they send him back to to send a little message. And they're like, and they're like, uh, but hey, Leonidas, we we use so many of our spears. Like, are you sure we can even fight these guys with all these spears? Like, oh, uh, we're gonna be we're gonna have thousands of spears because we're gonna take all the spears from these guys that we just killed. So uh, King Leonidas is very confident that uh, in their fighting ability. Uh, then Ephialtes shows up and uh, he has something to say. He wants to get an audience with King Leonidas. He knows a special route, uh, a route in the back that the, the Spartans can take. Uh, but he's also, uh, you know, he's telling the story of himself. We actually learn, learn the backstory of Effie here. Uh, he was trained by uh, this shepherd warrior father. Um, so I guess, I guess he's one of these. Yeah, basically he was, he was one of these babies. Like I was describing earlier that was that did not get tossed off the cliff well he he did actually he, well, he i don't know if he got tossed off the cliff but he he was put out to, to pasture so to speak and <laughs> and he was rescued by this shepherd and i guess the shepherd that rescued him was a former warrior spartan but was i guess at the time no longer uh, active uh but he trained his son uh in the ways of the spartans uh he trained him to be a warrior and i effie is telling leonidas like look i know i know i look like a freak here but i trained to fight my father's a warrior uh i'm a spartan and i i, I deserve to be you know part of your part of your army here and leonidas is like all right well let, let's take a look at you here uh can can you hold your shield up how can, how do you hold your shield and then he like he lifts his shield and he can he can barely freaking hold a shield like at all and he's like well here's the thing effie you fucking freak uh this is paraphrased by the way uh, uh he says like you the thing is us spartans we fight as a unit and every single one of us protects the other one with our shields so we hold our shield like uh, up and to the left to protect the person on our left and if you can't protect someone on the on the left you can't protect your fellow soldiers you're gonna be a weak link and the whole thing is gonna fall down so sorry bro but n- not happening like you can't you can't join get out of here freak basically then you then you're creeping us out yeah, so so Effie's pissed off. Effie's not excited about this, and he he runs away and uh, jumps off a cliff. <laughs> that, that's uh, that's how upset he is about this. Da, 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 da. Yeah. Uh, meanwhile, we do see uh, the a shot of the Persians, uh, the Persian army, and then we see a, an awesome shot of the Spartans lined up, uh, and and just like Thanos, they say, "Come and get it, bitches. Come and get it." Uh, so just like that, we are already through three chapters. On to chapter four. Uh, well, halftime show thoughts. Uh, we, we've already addressed like some of your criticisms of the art. Uh, obviously, these these are very short issues. Uh, but what do you think of the overall feel of what Frank Miller is trying to portray here? Uh, are, are you feeling the Spartans? Are you feeling the story? Uh, you know, despite the fact that it's it's you know it's short. It's moving along quickly. Yeah, I think uh, you know I I saw the film first before I ever read ah, this, I so it, you know that's my that that's my base where I'm coming from. Uh, there, there's just it, it goes it goes by really fast, and there's just some dialogue. There's just some scenes where they really kind of you know flush things out a bit more. I think what I will say though is that when I read these issues, even when I just kind of was able to pull that part away from me that's comparing it to the film, there's a lot of suspense building up. The flashback sequences explaining what's getting here, the buildup of understanding who the Persians are, uh, the path to get them to Thermopylae Pass. Um, while I think the film adds in some extra fight scenes and battle and action elements, uh, even though you, we haven't seen too much of that here, 
it gets the job done in a really good way. He understands the medium. This is why I think, and personally, um, Frank Miller is a better comic book writer than Alan Moore because uh, even when uh, Miller and he he does a majority of stuff, but even when he's worked with other artists, he's always kind of put his ego away to a certain degree in order to let the art tell the story. Because I think what with with more, just my opinion, he's afraid of being overshadowed by the artist, which is why he shoves in so much shit. Hmm. So I think yeah. I think, you know, sometimes less is more and comic books will always be a primarily visual medium. Let the art do it. And he does it. So even though I'm not a big fan of the illustrations and everything, um, I'm I, I, I like what I'm seeing. Yeah, I think it helps in the, this case here that Frank Miller is his own artist. So he gets to, you know, he gets to portray his whole vision out there. Uh, he's not competing against himself for anything. So he doesn't have to over explain or overwrite what's going on. Uh, the whole story is his, and he is doing a lot of the storytelling uh, visually. And I, like, I, I do. We'll, we'll get into it more in when we give our final grades. I, I do like the art in this. I do think it is, it is fairly fitting to the story, but it has its issues. So I'll, I, I, I'll, I'll I, save that for my. For my final Great. I have a quick question, Mark. Yeah. Do you do you like it when writers draw their own stuff, or do you think it's better for a writer to be paired with a different artist? I, I can't think of that many examples of that. So it's hard. Like Frank Miller is my primary example. I'm trying to think of, of who else. Rob Liefeld. Rob Liefeld. Okay, Todd well, McFarlane. I- Okay, well, in these examples, no, I think those guys are are incredible visual storytellers, not necessarily the best comic book writers. I think in, in both those cases, I, I prefer those gentlemen's art when they are being written by others. Uh, I think they both are capable of writing. I, I don't want to degrade them as writers too, because I think they are pretty capable writers. But what I will say, what what I will say is, I think everyone is better when you have a when you have a check and balance type mm-hmm. of deal. Because I think what you're what, what you're doing and, and I've seen this with writing, um, you know, like when I've done my books, uh, I hire a ton of editors. I hire a ton of line editors, copy editors, structure editors, because what I think is great might be shit. And I need people to be able to catch those blind spots and not just think of what the best thing that Remso wants to get out there. But what is best for the reader and the consumer and for the average person that's going to pick this up who does not think exactly like me. So I think while all of them are capable of doing it and they have done it to success, you know, for all of those people I listed, my favorite stuff that's been produced by them have been produced when they work with another writer or another artist. I think Liefeld in particular is pretty good at writing books that he writes to his art. So he's he's able to write a story that is able to turn into an awesome visual story based on the visual the visuals he wants to give you, uh, but I wouldn't necessarily call call him a great writer. Like I would never want to see Rob Liefeld writing a book for somebody else. You know? yeah. But I'll, I mean, I'll he, pick he, up a fun Rob Liefeld book. Yeah, I mean, he he even admits it. I mean, he he will go ahead and basically say what you said. I mean, he he leans into the medium, which is why you can have a subpar story, but people will still love it because the art carries it. I would say yeah. I would put McFarlane in in the in a similar category there. I would rather see his art with someone else writing it. Um, but Frank Miller is very unique uh, in this case. I think he's one of the few that I don't know. It just even even when I don't love his art, it often just feels right. It feels Frank Miller. But that can also be a flaw because you can't really be your own editor. And I'm sure in this case, I know Dark Horse has a, someone called an editor that that works for their company at this time. I doubt you're really editing Frank Miller when you're Dark Horse Comics at this point. You know, you're just saying, Frank, please, we're we're glad to have you. We want your name on top of this thing. 
Have a blast. You want to do it in a 17-page issue? That's fine. Whatever you got to do. I think for Frank Miller, he had actually optioned the screenplay for this years ago, but he didn't like anybody who wanted to wanted to take it on. He actually chose Zack Snyder. Huh. Like he actually was like, I want Zack Snyder doing this. It was not just a pure studio thing. Frank Miller really wanted to be part of it. So, I mean, th- these are some of those people. It's like, you know, Freddy Krueger, uh, Frank Miller, Jason, Alan Moore. It's like, if they don't like you, they're, they're going to make it quite apparent. Right. They will, they will murder you at summer camp or in your dreams. One or the other. Or write, or write feisty, angry worded letters to the editor. <laughs> Uh, moving on to issue four, uh, this issue is combat. I should have uh, said this earlier. Each issue has like a title. Like I think the earlier ones were like honor, duty, but now we're in combat. So now it's getting real and uh, the Spartans are on the march. We start with a, I really do like this spread uh, of, of showing how the army is laid out as, as Leonidas described to our boy Effie, how they each have the, the, the shield on the left and the spirit on the right. And each one of them is protecting the man to, to their left. So uh, these guys are, they are a unit and they are basically, Basically, it's ba- they're they're three hundred, but they're also one. They're just one mass of of, of death soldier uh, heading forward here to face this Persian army. Um, I'm going to read a little bit, a little bit of this. I actually I actually like this this kind of push forward the the narration here. Yeah. Hearts joined in silent song. We charge shoulder to shoulder, shield against shield. Eyes locked on those of our hated enemies, relishing their mounting terror. We strike, joined, fused, a single creature, indivisible, impenetrable, unstoppable. We push. Persians gasp and groan and gurgle and scream and stumble and tumble and fall. Brains splattering across. And then you see a bunch of Persians just falling off the cliffs, just just dying in mass. I mean, the Spartans are kicking ass here. Uh, Briny stone lungs sucking deep off the deadly salty sea. We Spartans laugh like fools and keep pushing. No prisoners, no mercy. We're off to one hell of a good start. This is the first day. This is basically like if Tom Brady was leading the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. <laughs> yep, down by, by down by forty five, uh, but they have no concerns that they're not going to come back. Uh, so they're and they are facing like a bombardment of arrows, just insane. But they're they're kicking ass. They are destroying up uh, Persians everywhere they go. Uh, Stelios comes up and says like, "Hey, they got this other large contingent of Persians coming that way, guys." Uh, and and then here uh, Leonidas comes down because like now we actually see Xerxes himself, the king of Persia himself is on the way and he is being carried on this gigantic freaking th- throne and this is this is one scene in the movie while while it is absurd and and of course this part is is in no way historically accurate it is awesome in the movie the, the portrayal of Xerxes I mean he just is portrayed as an absolute and and mythic mythically or perhaps not historically but supposedly he was giant that's actually what they say um i don't know if there's historical evidence backing that up but he is he's claimed to have been a giant and they do portray him as such here and and even more so uh visually in the movie uh what do you think just the portrayal of xerxes especially when you see him standing next to leonidas he's like he's like twice the size of leonidas it's 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 absurd i always thought he looked like an overgrown muscular baby like there's just something that's just unnatural More about so in his, the movie, but yeah, I mean, yeah. Yeah, I mean, he's just it's just un it, it just it just feels wrong. You just look at it, and I feel like you know I almost get two different feelings when I see him in the film, when I see him in print. Like it feels really odd when you watch it in the movie, but even in the comic, it's like you're looking at this, and it's like, who the fuck told him that having all those freaking piercings was a good idea? 
That doesn't look like a god. He looks like a Persian Uber driver in DC who loves fake Gucci. <laughs> he's got a five star rating, though. I'll tell you that because he's got a sweet ride. Yeah. Hop in that Uber, you're getting carried by a hundred slaves, and you got a little, you got some like some tigers, onion, some like, unicorn. Lots of faux here. leather. Yeah, it's a badass throne, though. I'm not gonna lie. I wouldn't. He, he looks. He looks like Axe body spray. He right. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, he looks like Zeus. Zeus meets Axe body spray. You know Zeus from the movie No Holds Barred. He's a tiny Lister. Is, is his name. Oh, he's I, re- yeah, I remember. Passed. Yeah, yeah. That, that's who I think should have played, played Xerxes. Um, if only we could recast. But we'll see. Uh, but yeah, Leonidas and Xerxes, they're they're having a chat. They're having a good old chat. Uh, at one point, Xerxes walks behind Leonidas, and he's got Xerxes has these crazy nails. He just puts his hands on Leonidas' shoulders. I mean, he is he is hovering over Leonidas like like he is just his like Leonidas is just a little child, a small child. But Leonidas is in no way intimidated, and uh, Xerxes makes an offer to Leonidas. He basically says, "Look, man." You have no chance uh, here. Like we have, like uh, the biggest army the world has ever amassed. We have soldiers from all over Asia here. Like you have no chance against us. Here's the deal. Look, we're gonna take over Greece. This is a, this is a done deal. Nothing's gonna change that. I will make you the warlord of Greece if you you guys just lay down now. You can stop the suffering, stop for all your men from dying, and I'll make you the warlord of Greece. Everything's gonna be great. Uh, and uh, Leonidas. I mean, come on. You know what Leonidas is going to say. No, fuck off, Cersei's. That is not my deal. We are fucking Sparta. See you later. Uh, you're going to die. Adios. So so Leonidas takes off, and uh, now Xerxes, uh, he is sending his personal elite guard, the uh, the immortals, I think he calls them, these uh, these creepy-looking dudes with creepy masks, and uh, he is sending them off to uh, to kill the Spartans. So we got a few more pages of, of battles. Basically they're, they're heading into, uh, they're heading along the coast here and, uh, the Spartans are just bombarding them, um, with, you know, their spears, their arrows. And then at one point they call in the Arcadians. Uh, so the Arcadians uh, had joined them in this. And, uh, now we're just, we're just seeing a huge battle here. We're seeing uh, a lot of splash pages, a lot of blood. Frank Miller likes to show us just blood splattering everywhere to, to get this across. I will say he draws some of the best, landscape battle scenes um there are a few other people like there was a I, I think there was a hercules series that came out from from dark horse that was not with frank miller but they uh they, they take a lot of inspiration from 300 so as much as i've been criticizing the way he illustrates things he's also just i mean you, you can't help but just stare at it and just be in awe because he pulls it off and sometimes I feel like this is two different artists because I feel like the splash page, a lot of the splash pages, I think are awesome. Like, I, I think they really convey the violence, uh, the just the chaos of the battle. Uh, but then it's it's more like the scenes where there's uh, kind of more individualized action and you see more individual people that it just it often feels like you know, he rushed it. Yeah, I don't want to say sloppy. That's not quite the word, but just lack of detail in, in a lot of it. Um, but that's not it's not consistent throughout. I mean, a lot of the the big panels showing the, the big battle scenes, there's like tremendous detail. So, you know, Frank Miller, again, this is probably just, again, a product of being your own editor, basically, and, and having full control. Uh, like you said, you hire a bunch of people to edit you because you it's hard to be your own critic. And I think this is a case where Frank Miller probably could have used more of an editor to to help him flesh this out a little bit or, or another artist to be working with with the layouts or or something like this to to better put the story together well i mean i mean really think about whoever did the the coloring and the inking for this they didn't really have much to do no not too much 
Not too much. I mean, yeah, I, I, I actually one of my it's one of my favorite parts of this of this art is the coloring. I think the coloring is actually it, it's simple, but it's actually very well done and and really fits the art. Yeah, I like palette consistency. Okay, as I learned in my arts yeah. one hundred and one class in college. I know so little about art that, that I don't really know what that means. You mean like kind of the same same like color schemes throughout? Yes. Yeah, I think we get that here. Yeah, just like that. Before we know it, we are moving on to chapter five called victory and uh again we see more battles we see persians now this is one thing leonidas touched on in his conversation uh with xerxes he's like you know fuck off jeff bezos <laughs> you got you got all these guys here but i have soldiers like my soldiers are are not afraid of you like you're you your guys are more afraid of your like you're you're whipping these guys you know you're whipping slaves like slaves are not going to be able to battle my soldiers uh and i think it, you see that throughout you see that the persians are always whipping their guys to get them to go fight uh but at the end of the day you can't you can't and you can only motivate a slave to fight hard enough to not be whipped more but uh a spartan a spartan's a professional soldier a spartan is fighting for sparta you just have no chance so leonidas has full confidence here which is why he, uh, he refuses to make the deal uh with Xerxes. So we see more of this battle. And man, this is crazy. I don't I don't know what the Persians were thinking. I don't know if this is historically accurate at all. I'm guessing this part is not, but they brought elephants, Remzo. They brought elephants. I, I, they, I don't know, they brought a bunch of elephants on this on these boats. I, I mean I, that seems that seems risky to me to have elephants on, on giant giant ships. But uh, apparently they brought elephants and some of these elephants they're just being they're falling off the off the side of the cliff here. Like <laughs> people are you know there's all these people on top of the elephants falling off. Um, it's just it's just a disaster. So bringing the elephants seems like a bad idea. This actually kind of reminds me of last or two issues ago when we talked about, um, you know, we looked at the Avengers run uh, from uh, George Perez and Kurt Busiek, and at one point they had 39 Avengers, and they go to the, the scene of a crime just to start a bank robbery, and it's a disaster because there's just too many of them. So they have to whittle the team down. Uh, that seems kind of like similar to what's going on here with the Persian army. I think they they brought too much to the party. They brought too much shit. They brought too many soldiers, too many giant thrones, uh, too many too many elephants. Like they have, it's just way too much chaos. It's, it's so how are you gonna how are you gonna focus this army? They just they went with with just pure brute mass and brute force, but very little strategy. It seems I don't see the the, the strategy behind <laughs> behind these elephants other than just to look cool. They they say it in the film. It's it's a it's a dialogue between Leonidas and his second in command in the film that I think would have made more sense in the comic. But they actually bring that up. It's a conversation where they're talking about you know like can't, how, how do we defeat them? Look at them. There are swarms. They're legions. And Leonidas basically says something like, "Yeah, and that's the reason why they've been able to just go around, basically having everyone roll on their back because they show up with this giant show of force and nobody fights them. And the people that are fighting them are not." Nothing like us. So these are, you know, these are giant, you know, armies of people that look badass and might know a thing or two that we don't about how to fight. But like they're not battle tested soldiers like us. So that that's one of those moments where it's like, you know, that's also why, um, you know, in, in so many scenes in, in the film and in the comic, you'll see all these big badass Persians run away. It's because they've never dealt with anyone like Leonidas and the Spartans. 
Exactly. Yeah. And and this scene here too, uh, I'm just going to read this part here because you see Leonidas is just going, going nuts here. He's in full battle mode. It says the day wears on, we lose few, but each Spartan felled is dear, is dear friend or dearest blood hearing the death rattle of his own young son, the captain. Oh, this isn't Leonidas. This is that, this is that captain actually the captain that I think the same captain that got into the spat with uh, Stumblios earlier, but uh, hearing the death rattle of his own young son, the captain breaks rank. He goes wild, blood drunk. It takes three men to restrain him uh the day is ours no songs are sung the persian camp goes deadly quiet so this is day two and the spartans are really they're i think they're starting to demoralize the persians because they like i said the, the persian camp is quiet they are like okay we're, we're this is not as easy uh, this is not quite the cakewalk that we that we planned on here they they know that they're gonna eventually win but they know a lot of them are gonna die to get that victory exactly exactly yeah i mean the the numbers are eternally in their favor there's there's really no doubt they're gonna win but they're quickly realizing like this is this is not going to be a good time and like on an individual level like a lot of us are not going to make it out of this because these guys are are serious uh we then see good old effie he is back and uh this is a really weird panel that that shows him it's it yeah. almost looks like he's like he's surrounded by a couple like Persian dancer chicks or something. Anyway, he has somehow uh, sought counsel with the Persians uh, after being rejected by King Leonidas. Uh, he is uh, he is he must have hit Spartans. LinkedIn fast. Yeah, he, he really uh, went on the job market uh, very quickly for uh, a freak soldier. If you need one that knows about a path and he basically uh, he knows this this other route. Great communication and writing skills. Uh, yeah, he says, uh, let's see, I think this is Xerxes talking to him. He says, your gods were cruel to shape you so, friend Ephialtes. Ephialtes? Ephialtes? I don't know how to say it. The Spartans, too, were cruel to reject you, but I am kind. Everything you could ever desire, every happiness you can imagine, every pleasure your fellow Greeks and your false gods have denied you, I will grant you, for I am kind. Embrace me as your king and as your god. Lead my soldiers to the hidden path that empties behind the cursed Spartans, and your joys will be endless Name it, and it will be yours. And Effie says, yes, I want it all. Land, women. Oh, man, what woman is touching him? Uh, women and no uh, wealth. And one thing more, I want a uniform. <laughs> he just says, done. Cruel Leonidas demanded you stand. I only require that you kneel. <laughs> uh, yeah, so Effie has betrayed the Spartans. I, I, I guess you can't really say betrayed. I mean, they, they are the ones that, that rejected him. It's a um, tough job market. It, it really is tough, tough job market this time of the year. Uh, I mean, you know, the 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 Cornea Festival is, is coming up soon. There's there's a lot going on, a lot of jobs be, that are out there. Um, let's see. We move on. Uh, we also hear the the story of uh, Marathon uh, and Xerxes' father. So the Persians have been defeated before. It's another famous battle, the Battle of Marathon, when the Greeks defeated the Persians, and that was actually yeah Xerxes' father who was defeated at that battle. Uh, but now the Persians are being led by Effie to this hidden goat path behind them. So they are going to come and uh, try to get you know cut off the Spartans at the at the path at the pass. Um, Dilios is pulled from the battle. Leonidas says because I think Leonidas starts to realize like all right. We're coming to the end we here. Dilius. Yeah, we're going to die. Dilius, you got to get going. He's like, no, I've, I haven't trained my whole life. I'm a, I'm a Spartan. He's like, Dilius, shut the fuck up. This is way more important than you just being another one of us that dies. You need to go, and you need to go tell everybody about what we are doing here. About about Tell them of our bravery and inspire the rest of the Greeks to finish this fucking thing and let them know what's going on here. Um, so Dilius, uh, he's not a fan, but he he goes off, and that's, that's his job. He's going to go be the messenger and uh, tell the other Spartans. Uh, meanwhile, the immortals... They are they're working their way back. They they kill the Thespians. Uh, There's another another group of Greeks that that met up to try to help in this battle. They all get killed on the way up. 
Uh, Leonidas has is, is just been, it's just, he has, he now has like, after a couple pages of battle here, Leonidas has arrows like all over his body. Like he has just, he has just been completely full of, it's nothing but a flesh wound. Yeah, and uh, and he doesn't care. He's laughing his ass off, and he is screaming for Xerxes. Uh, and 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 this point we got a uh, Stumblios, Stelios. He jumps in, stabs. I think this is no, I don't think it's Xerxes. Just one of the other other um, yeah, one of the other you know Persian dudes that get stabbed. Uh, but yeah, Xerxes just yells, "Slaughter them!" And um, Leonidas is just screaming for Xerxes and says, "Die!" And yeah, that this is when you see Leonidas. He just has like. He has like fifty arrows going at him. It's crazy. I mean, he's just he's a he's he's a mess, and um, he gives no fucks. He is pushing forward. He's an absolute madman. And yeah, that's when he throws the one spear, and it goes like right through through Xerxes' mouth, basically. Um, Xerxes doesn't die, but he Xerxes just kind of like wipes his cheek <laughs> where, where the spear went through it. And this is when we see just a million spears and arrows uh, go into Leonidas from from every which way. And uh, we see Leonidas's last words here. He says, "My queen, my wife, my love." Be strong. Goodbye. And uh, yeah, when we see a few more shots of uh, of uh, per, of um, Spartans being killed, just just arrows and spears galore going through all these guys. Uh, we also see Stelios, good old Stelios, uh, Stumblios. He also gets killed as well. We see his helmet fall, tumble down. No. Yep. Uh, I'm going to read a little more of the narration here. Uh, this is one. Uh, again, I'll talk about this in our final review. I actually think. Uh, uh, of Frank Miller's skills displayed here, I think his dialogue and his narration are, are actually really stellar and really fitting uh, and really help help move the story along. Um, but I want to read this part here. Should should any free soul come across this place in all the countless centuries yet to be, may our voices whisper to you from the ageless stones. Go tell the Spartans, passerby, that here, by Spartan laws, we lie. Uh, and then we do see Dilios uh, is the one. He is he's there and doing as he was told to do, telling the tale. And um, yeah, he basically just t- tells tells the whole story about what they did there. He says the the enemy outnumbers us a paltry three to one. Good odds for any Greek. This day we rescue a world from the old dark, stupid ways, and we usher in a future that is surely brighter than any we can imagine. Give thanks, men, to Leonidas and his brave three hundred, and ready yourselves for war. And then we see the Spartans going off to victory. Uh, to victory we charge. Uh, so while Leonidas and his 300 brave uh, quote-unquote bodyguards, uh, they defied the orders of the uh, of the priests of the Oracle to wage this battle. But this battle, while they lost the battle, this battle did, um, and historically as well as in this book, uh, pave the way for the Greeks to fend off the Persians and ultimately win the war. Uh, and that does it. That does it for this book, 300. So that being said, Let's just get right into it, Remzo. I'll let you start. So I try and be consistent when I'm going from one comic to another, regardless of genre, series, arc, whatever. Is this good for new readers who have never picked up a comic book before? And is this good for readers who have been, you know, more aware of what's going on? This is one of those exceptions because it's a limited series. So is this good for new readers? Yeah, it's a good self-contained limited series, very to the point gets that in spades. Is this also good for people that are familiar with Frank Miller? This is Frank Miller at, at probably his most Frank Millie-esque. So I will say he, he gets good marks on that. Um, it's, it's a short story though. 
And there are certain parts where, you know, I think it could have been fleshed out. I don't know if that was because he just genuinely wanted to keep it as narrow and focused as he wanted to, or if he was getting any type of editorial suggestion. I don't know. But, um, I mean, the story is good, but that's just it. it. It's that good. I mean, it's just, it's just, it's just, it's just okay. I'm going to go ahead and just give it a three. It's a, it's an evening, afternoon, Sunday read. It's a good hour-long killer. Um, that's about it. I think three is, is pretty fair. To go any less than that is to, you know, re- really just kind of ignore how, you know, culturally impactful it is with the movie and the spoofs and, you know, how everyone has at least seen a few scenes from this film. But to give it any more than that in terms of just the graphic novel is to be a bit too generous. I will also say that, you know, the art... Um, you know, this is my personal bias. He's not my favorite illustrator. And, uh, you know, as we point out throughout, there are some really good moments, but then there are some other moments where it's like, you couldn't have spent maybe like a few more minutes kind of fleshing it out. I think when a writer does that, where he tries to play artist, he overburdens himself. Um, I think he would have been better, you know, either, uh, having somebody do some of it, maybe having the anchor more, uh, ha- have more responsibility over maybe changing some of the illustrations. But, um, you know, this is one of those things where it's like, I don't, I don't think it's always that great when a writer or an artist decides to do both parts. I'm going to give it a three. So overall, my score for Frank Miller's 300 is a six out of 10. Fair enough. Um, I, I concur with a lot of your criticisms. Uh, overall, I, I, I do think this, I think the, the, the biggest problem that it, it doesn't feel as epic as maybe it should, I, I really think it's it comes down to the format more than anything else. I, I think, and just to add this in, I think what ruins this for me, what brings it down is that I saw the movie first. Yeah. I think the movie's a better adaption. And maybe if I had never seen the movie and I read this, maybe it would have been more. So I want to state my bias. I think the movie is better. And I saw the movie before this. So I'm constantly comparing it to that. I think because of that, the graphic novel was always doomed from the start with me for a lower score. Fair enough. Yeah. And I, I mean, I read this, uh, you know, a, a, probably a decade before the movie came out. And uh, I do remember being more blown away by it than I am now, <laughs> you know, when I, when I first read it. I, I remember just being in awe of it. And at the time, maybe it was a little more revolutionary. Um, I, maybe that's not the word, but I think it what, was it. Was it what, was it, though, like 1998? No, probably not. Yeah. But I, I think that I, I was meant to think it was as a as an okay. 18 year old. Okay. <laughs> It, it it felt that way because it was Frank Miller and because it was this, uh, this historical event. Uh, but at least that's how it felt to me back then. Now it doesn't feel quite 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 the same. And I again, I think it's I think it's the way it's broken up to like 16, 18 page issues. Like I almost feel like this should just be a graphic novel of of just a one shot, and maybe it would feel a little more. I don't know. I, I like just like one complete story. Like, I, I mean, I, I don't know. Like he could have fleshed it out more, but I don't, I don't actually know if it was necessary to flesh it out more to tell the story that he's wanting to tell. Um, yeah, we got a little characterization. We got a little, we got to know Leonidas. We got to know Stumblios. We got to know Effie. Uh, I don't know if we need to go off and learn, like learn more about 10 other characters just to feel like it's more of a story. Well, like the wife in, in the film, Leonidas's wife. Yeah. We um, got more from her there. Yeah. Like that, that was, that was, I, I, you know, I felt like that actually added more suspense to the story with her trying to deal with the, with the bought off politicians in the Spartan Senate. Mm-hmm. 
Um, like that was that was pretty interesting. Some of the extra dialogue between characters that's just not there, um, you know, whereas, you know, right now in the graphic novel, it's all being told through the narration of uh, of Stilios or what, however the heck you pronounce his name, that guy in the film. It's still done that way, but they can go from, you know, it's being told through the narration to it's being told through the dialogue. I think some of the dialogue between Leonidas and the others, some of it is here. It's planted here, but. Uh, Zack Snyder fleshes it out more so. Yeah, I think that that's all pretty fair. And I think visually speaking, like that, I mean, I think the movie is decent, but I think visually is is where the movie shines for me. I mean, it's just it's just a visually stunning movie. Oh, it's it's not you know never it was never going to get an Oscar nom, but a- actually no, I think it did get an Oscar nomination for, for yeah. effects. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I mean the movie goes over the top again with like Xerxes and how they depict that army, but. It's over the top and awesome, so that's okay with me. I mean, I, I think it's just it's just it's a fun watch. Like you can just yeah. put it on, not think too deeply about it, and have a good time. So it, it is one of it is one of the most spoofed and homaged films mm-hmm. of the modern age. Yeah, which is saying a lot because it's only been around for you know twelve years or so, yeah, 12, thirteen years. Uh, so yeah, I mean, I, I can definitely see how this would be a disappointment after seeing the movie first because it that, the movie definitely feels way more epic than this book does. Um, that being said, I, you know, I, I don't want to judge it too harshly just because it's short. Like I, I don't want to encourage books to be longer than they need to be. I think a story should be as long as it needs to be. Um, so anyway, I, I guess at the end of the day, I'm going to rate this. Hmm, this is really hard for me because I love Frank Miller and I actually think this is, I'm going to start with the writing. I think the, I think I do like the writing here overall. I like the dialogue. I like a lot of the narration dialogue. Uh, I like the dialogue. Uh, is it, does it blow me away? Does it deserve huge accolades? No, but it's pretty good. I'm going to give the writing by Frank Miller a three and a half. Uh, and then as far as the art, again, I like Frank Miller's art, generally speaking. And I think it often, it's an acquired taste. It's definitely an acquired taste. And it's, it's partly his style, but you know, it's just it's sometimes it's hard to believe you're looking at the same artist because sometimes you you see a page that's so epic, so crisp, so clean as we do when we see a lot of these like you know, wide shots of the Spartan army. And then there's others where you feel like ah he just kind of sketched this thing together because he wanted to throw this little this panel in of and we see the elephants falling. And you know, a lot of times you just see the people, they're almost like stick figures, you know? They're they're like you can tell where he doesn't care about the details and where he does. They're, they're like not even people. Yeah, it, it, it's and that's it, it's like the anti George Perez, where you're he's gonna give you every little freaking detail you can ever even comprehend. Uh you could spend you know days and days coming over every panel because there's so many details there. Uh so the art I I will give the art a three. I, I, I guess I'll agree with you on on the art. Um, I like it, but there's enough there's enough inconsistency that I can't really rate it much higher than that. Even though I do generally like the style. Um, so yeah, I guess three hundred for me gets a six point five. A book that I I expected to give a much higher score to going into this. Um, I would still say so. Let's see, it's a second print total at six point five. What did you have a six total? Six. So it's a twelve point five out of twenty. It's relatively low, but um, I would still say. I would still say if you haven't read it, read it, and you don't have to pay for it, which you can find this on Hoopla, and it you can read it in about I, I literally probably twenty or twenty to thirty minutes, you can bang out this whole thing. So I, I would say it's worth reading, despite you know a, a lower than a lower than you know the stellar score from from both of us. I'd still say it's worth checking out. It will add flavor to your graphic novel collection. It will. It it looks really nice on your bookshelf. 
Yeah, <laughs> so I'll, I'll say that. Uh, it, it's worth checking out once. I will say if you haven't read it, especially if you're a fan of the movie or you're just you know just curious about it. Uh, I definitely wouldn't call it bad. I mean, at no point was I bored at all. So uh, yeah, but it's a it's a strong six point five, but a six point five nonetheless. I can't go higher. Agreed. I mean, I um, did you ever read Ronan? No, that's that's his one work that I have not gotten. Oh my gosh, like that Ronan produce is, it baby put it on our schedule we, we will read it. We, we will get it we'll get to it eventually but like you know if Ronan is like a, a 10 on the Frank Miller scale I will say that the Dark Knight Strikes Again is a zero on the Frank Miller scale 300 is a solid five so where does Dark Knight Returns fall on that scale that's my that's my kind of uh I would say that's a nine okay I would say that's a nine fair yeah, I mean, with Ronan, it's just... Well, That's my favorite Frank Miller work by far. Yeah, Ronan, I think, was his biggest passion project. I don't think I don't think The Dark Knight Returns was really his biggest passion project. I think Ronan was. I think he loved doing The, the Dark Knight Returns, but, I mean, with Ronan, like, um, that, that is... I, I want to see that movie. Let's put it that way. I, I want to see, see that the movie. last Ronan movie. Oh, my gosh, yes. I have not grabbed my issue two yet. I, ju- I just read it, so I won't spoil it. But, but like, that's the thing though. Like, Last Ronin is ba- is a, is a is a love letter to Frank Miller, and that there makes sense. there yeah. there are so many others. Uh, John Romita Jr. draws a lot mm-hmm. like uh, Frank Miller. Like Frank Miller, sure. like he might not be everyone's cup of tea, but to say that he has not impacted the the artist community within the comic book world would would be a, would be a, would be a lie. I mean, his stuff. I I think I think Ramita Jr. is a better is a better artist than Miller. I think Laird from TMNT is a better artist than Miller. I think, you know, what's funny. Matt Battaglia has actually drawn a lot of Frank Miller drawings. I can see a little Frank Miller in, in Battaglia's but work. Bata- sure. Battaglia, I think is a better, is a better artist than Frank Miller. But here's the thing though. It's a chicken or the egg scenario. Would he be that way if he did not grow up r- reading and looking at the work of Frank Miller? Well, there you go. It's one of those things. So, I mean, you gotta, if you, you might not, love him but you my god you have to respect him you must respect him and and i will say this is this is good this is quality uh this is not frank miller's best work this is not what i would ever give someone who who wanted to you know dive into frank miller this wouldn't be the first thing i'd give him it might be on the list i'm gonna give them batman the dark knight returns because it's batman yeah, yeah, for sure. That's a, that's definitely what I'm handing them immediately. Maybe Daredevil after that, and if they graduated from that, then maybe some of the some of the weirder stuff. Oh, the the original Wolverine limited series, but I don't know if he drew that mm-hmm. or not. Did he draw that? I'm not sure. I, I want to say he did. I've got I've got it on the shelf. I'm not gonna walk over to it, but I think he did that. Yeah, I think he did that. Definitely one of the most influential. Uh, just comic creators overall, uh, for sure. So Frank Miller is somebody, it's a name you're going to be hearing, uh, quite a bit, I think on this podcast going forward. Uh, he's definitely going to be popping up now and again, cause he has a lot of seminal works and I'm sure we'll be checking them all out, but, uh, this is not his best one. This is just, I mean, it's, it's well done. It's enjoyable, but he's done much better work. And, uh, yeah, you know, we'll get to that, that work in the future. Uh, this is going to be a little bit of a shorter show than you guys are used to because we read a shorter book, but if you're craving more content, if you just can't get enough of Mark and Ramzo talking comics, 
there is good news for you, my friends, because for as little as $5 a month, you can head over to the Second Print Patreon at patreon.com slash secondprintpod and check out all of our bonus content. We touched on it earlier, but you know, Remzo's got Remzo rants, Remzo versus the MCU. I've been doing WandaVision recaps with Dan Smots. Uh, I'm about to start doing the uh, random Marvel Comics podcast. Uh, we are just doing all sorts of bonus content for you because we truly believe in providing value for our patrons. We want this show to always be free, this main show. Uh, we don't want to make anybody feel they have to pay just to get this content so this will always be free but we also really want to reward those that do uh that do send us money that do fund the show that do make it easy for us uh to not stress out about having to you know pay for our website fees having to pay for our our, our web our podcast hosting this is all taken care of by our patrons and uh, as well as ad campaigns and all the marketing we're doing to grow this show uh to not have to sweat that off our own back is just is just huge uh to, to be able to start especially for a relatively new podcast like 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 we are so uh thank you so so much to all our patrons and again we we aim to provide true value uh, so if you're if you're giving us five bucks a month if you're giving us 25 bucks a month 50 bucks no matter what level you're at we really really work our asses off to make sure you're getting value uh, for that so check it out patreon.com slash second print pod and of course as always five star ratings and uh, great reviews easiest way to help us out without spending a dime Absolutely. Well, that's about it, folks. Secondprintcomics.com. We got regular free content there. Cosplay, fan films, comic reviews, so much more for the veteran nerd and new geek alike. Secondprintcomics.com. As always, I'm Remso W. Martinez. And I am the marvelous Mark Claire. Read comics. Change the world. Change the world. Good night, America. Adios. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.